Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Whenever I watch a Mr. Beast video, so much did happen. It feels like nothing's actually happened. I know. But on Colin and Samir's latest interview with Mr. Beast, a fascinating twist happened. I used to be a big fan of like simplicity. Like keep yeah. the challenges as simple as possible. I was like, screw it. Like people say they want better stories. Let's do it. Let's slow it down. Let's build some characters. Yeah. That's what people say they want. And they worked. So Jimmy's trying new strategies such as... Character is why you stay. The two plus two method. Feel that emotion on the first cut. Top of your intelligence. The Dan Harmon circle. And me and Jordan are going to break them down and explore what this means for YouTube. Playing to the top of your emotional intelligence is actually such a hack for retention. What actually does satisfy us? Emotional experiences. It kind of also gives us huge rewatchability when it's a great story. It's interesting because we're talking about storytelling as a trend at large. I feel like it's the next step after a beastification wave. Are we on a storytelling wave? We're on a storytelling wave. This interview is brought to you by the best video podcasting tool, Riverside. Honestly, if you're not using Riverside for all of your virtual meetings, you're making a big mistake. I've even been using it for consultations. As soon as we're done, I get to send them the entire recording. And not to mention the recording quality is freaking it's good. Whereas other virtual meeting services can only do up to 720, Riverside can do 4K. Which is why we like to use it for podcasting. And we love it because it records each audio and video track separately so that editing is such a breeze when we get into post. Which means our editor can get started on cutting it almost immediately. And even if you or your guest has absolute garbage internet, it doesn't matter. Because remember that one time when we were in the hotel room? I mean, the call kept on jostling. I thought we lost it, but because Riverside records locally and then uploads, the call was perfect. And it's easy for the guests. I don't need to install anything. You just send them the link and you can start recording. It even says like, roll out the red carpet. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it makes it, me feel special. It makes me feel so special. If you're podcasting, creating video content or recording online calls, then sign up to riverside.fm for free and use code editingpodcast for 20% off. And you can find that link in the description and we'll see you back in the interview. I think lots of people actually see him incorrectly. When you think of Mr. Beast, you think of, okay, Mr. Beast, he's the biggest YouTuber on the platform. He's got hundreds of millions of subscribers. He's getting hundreds of millions of views per video. When you think of YouTube creator, literally the word creator is imbued in that title. But I think Jimmy actually is less of a creator and he's more of an innovator. But why? Why'd you think that? I discovered this when we went to North Carolina to edit a few videos with him. I remember going over to his house and just watching him scroll on YouTube and watch things. We were even talking about Casey Neistat a little bit and he was just ranting about, oh man, Casey could have a hundred million views on his video if he would just do this, but he mm. doesn't. He chooses not to. We even fought him on that. Actually. Yeah, we were yeah. like, we literally like, because we like the way the video is. He's like, yeah, but why wouldn't you want to have a hundred million views? Like, why would you not want that? I think I even remember we even showed him some Emma Chamberlain videos. Mm. He couldn't quite understand for him why people want to watch this. Right. And one of the things I simply said was vibes. Vibes. Yeah. Emma Chamberlain is just great vibes when she posts on YouTube. But that was an interesting perspective because I think right. for us, I think a lot of what we do, our priority is like, how can we do this creatively rather than, I would say, 
strategically. And so this was, I think, a really interesting experience for us where we kind of saw the opposite end of that spectrum, mm -hmm. where I think he does see content as a strategy rather than like a creative outlet because he's built a business over getting his videos getting at this point a minimum 100 million views per video. On this podcast, we talk about trends that happen on YouTube, the way that YouTube videos are often edited, some of our gripes with that, and also some of the successes that we've been able to share with that as well. Jimmy has the most views per video. And yep. So why is that? But then at the same time, we also watch some of his videos. And you like to say this, you say, I watch a Mr. Beast video. And after it's done, you're like, what did I just watch? Like, I don't even remember. I think it's worth saying I've been a relatively open critic of Mr. Beast's videos, despite us being friends with him as well. I think, and Jimmy's actually definitely embraced us being open critics of him. But then there's also a lot of things that I celebrate, a lot of things I think he does incredibly well. And some of those things I have said to him before, it's like, I've watched some of the videos and for me, it feels like nothing's actually happened. Yet so much did happen. And I've often explored personally, even with him, like, I, why is this a thing? How did we get to that point, that type of content? But yet I also feel wrong because it's clearly working. Like a hundred million people are still watching these videos. But I've also said for them, can you actually tell me what happened? And my theory, my belief, I like to say, I actually don't really know. I just know I was entertained. And that's good enough for Jimmy. They might not know what happened, but they're definitely entertained. And that's still a good piece of content. His whole goal is I want to make the best YouTube videos. Now that's hard to quantify and figure out what exactly that means. And he even openly admits that. But I think for him, what that means is I want the most people to consume my product. I think that's the way he looks at it. He looks at it from a very Silicon Valley, Fortune 500 perspective of, I just want to get a huge market appeal have everybody enjoy and be entertained, watch the whole thing. Because if you're watching the whole thing, you must be entertained, right? That tells him he has to make his videos as accessible as possible. I think I do agree with you. Jimmy is uh, like a Silicon Valley type person. And I think that seems to be his priority, the way he's thinking. And I think it's one of the main reasons why his channel has worked out so well. Yeah, that's why he's doing the yeah. numbers he's doing. But it is like a different part of the brain. And that's and he's trained that muscle in that brain to be incredible. I think now he's probably got a six pack brain from that now. For real. Okay, what other part of my brain can I turn into a six pack? And it seems to be storytelling. It's like not just giving us the content and entertaining us, it is now making us care. When I went through interview, one of the first things that I noticed was that he said, I used to be a big fan of like simplicity, like keep yeah. the challenges as simple as possible. I was like, you know, 200, some of these videos, 300, 400 million people are going to watch it. Like it's a lot of people. I got to like make this stuff as simple, simple. as possible yeah. hmm. or like, you know, some of these 400 million people just aren't going to understand it. They're just not. It's a common misconception that storytelling is complex. It's a common misconception that storytelling is extremely hard to do. And it's a common misconception that if you do storytelling, you do cut off a lot of your audiences straight away. And so he has talked about that I like to make my videos as simple as possible. And he thinks if he starts to complicate things, like he's going to cut off a lot of his audiences. Right. But it's now really interesting that he said in the interview that he started experimenting with making his stories a little bit more complex. Simplicity, simplicity. I was like, screw it, we'll be a little complex. You know, and then on the other end, it's like, I'm very, you know, fast, fast, fast. It's like, let's slow it down. Let's build some characters. Yeah. That's what people say they want. And he's actually now trying to find new ways to make it accessible. It also still be informative and a lot more memorable as well. Like he sort of found this new philosophy, this new idea, this new strategy, I would even say on how these videos are made. You can make things a bit more complicated and people will be able to understand this. Mm -hmm. And then on his recent video where it was the versus video of like all the ages from zero to a hundred, the last challenge was actually quite complicated. Inside one of these briefcases is the check for $500,000.
And everyone on set is blindfolded, including the cameraman, while I mix up the cases. Half a million dollars is about to go to 52 or 40. I'm going to flip a coin to decide who gets to look inside of their briefcase, making them the only person on set that knows where the money is. It's a game of bluffery. That's right, because then it's up to the other person to choose which briefcase they want to take home. It took a decent amount of time to give the rules, give the boundaries, how who's going to win and how they can win. And Jimmy said in the interview that he was insecure that this was going to work because it's like you have to be doing the laying pipe, the exposition, and it's getting complicated. No one's going to have an understanding and this, this all, everyone's going to click off the video. But he took that gamble, he posted it online, and what did everyone say? That was the best part of the video. I really loved that. That was really complicated. That was really emotionally engaging. He was like, it, it blew his mind. And that's why, like I mentioned earlier, after hanging out with him, spending some time with him, he feels like more of an innovator, more of a CEO than somebody who wants to make the most artsy film. But he's getting into it though. But he, he is getting into it. But what he did in the past was he tested some storytelling strategies, some three-act structure. And what did I get? I got a 10 out of 10. When you're in business, you're taught to make a minimal viable product. You're taught to say, okay, I'm going to test this out, see how it performs. If it does well, we keep moving in that direction. If it doesn't do well, we move away from it. And so it seemed like he tested it and he learned to move away from it. And that's the mistake. So he has learned how to make content with retention graphs. And so he then, before he gets the idea, hey, let me try some storytelling. But because he is still a developing filmmaker, he tries to do storytelling, but he tells it badly. Uh, and so the best case would always be, people have often pointed out how he quickly cuts away from sad sob stories. You just won $100,000. Here's $20,000. 40000 it's so heavy. Don't let it fall. Yeah. Oh, don't cry. <laughs> no problem. We're just all cry. This is a Lamborghini. But the reason why he does that is because on previous videos, he has given them the opportunity to tell their story, but then retention's gone down. So what does that teach him never do it again it's not that it's don't do it again it's that he didn't tell it well enough and one of his most famous mistakes was on his squid game video the person who won for most of us that's the first time we've seen that person throughout yeah, the entire like, video it's a random guy like, it's a random that? guy it's like, <laughs> and, and so like cool that you recreate a squid game but who's that guy? But now that he's a bit more of a developed filmmaker, I think he's giving these things a bit more of an opportunity. Such as in the Versus video, one of the instances that they did is they also mentioned very early on, I'm doing this for my daughter. My daughter's turning three this Saturday. There we go. There's a little bit of a setup there. Throughout the entire video, they sprinkle in that person's presence. And so you're kind of constantly reminded of him being there. What is this right here? That's for my, my daughter. Today's her birthday? Yeah. Well, let's see what comes through the curtains. Oh, this thing. Oh my God. I'm not going to let you miss her birthday. <laughs> and then at the end, when you've kind of spent that character development, that character time relationship, I'd say, into knowing that person. And suddenly it's like, we've been there the whole journey through him. And even on Jimmy's interview, he then said, Bro, when I saw that the first time I literally cried, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. Like yeah. in person, I was kind of crying. But when like I saw the first cut of the video, I literally Tears came down my cheeks. I was like, oh, I've never felt this way before watching Whoa. one of our videos. It got him. It worked. And they, it's because they told the story well. The editors and the team told the story well. It's told a lot more, well, maturely, yeah. appropriately. It's like it's got a decent production quality. It's a lot more believable. And therefore, I'm in. You've got my retention. I think that's honestly a huge 
shout out, a huge testament to the editors who created that rough cut. Yeah. Where he was able to sit through and watch the video and actually feel that emotion on the first cut. On the first cut? Because, you get that emotion on the first cut? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Because yeah. he is very attuned to how he's feeling whenever he's watching something. When we had edit sessions with him, it's very hard to get Jimmy past the first five seconds, yeah. past the first 15 seconds, because he is so just glued to the screen like, okay, I'm watching this now. They got the story in the rough cut. That seems to be their priority. The rough cut, of course, it's rough. It's dirty. It's a bit messy. And of course, the story is not gonna be told that well because or at least you don't have to bring in as many elements to tell us the story it's actually showing us the story in a lot more of a i would say naked way and it reminds me of uh, pixar's philosophy when they want to make sure when they're writing their stories they bring in the editor right at the beginning and they have him cut the storyboards and try to make the film with just the storyboards and for them they want to make sure are we getting the emotional responses just from storyboards if so We've got our movie, let's start animating. And it looks like it seems to be the Mr. Beast team have done something similar. Can we get the story and the emotional core just with the rough cut? Once we've got that, then we can start hyping it up a little bit more. Right, and then you can put all the little graphics and yeah. start sprinkling up and elevating it to that Mr. Beast yeah. production value. Absolutely. Yeah. But they got the story there first and Jimmy cried on a rough cut. For us as editors... Yeah, you guys do not understand how crazy that is. Did you know that running a YouTube channel is really hard? We didn't. We've been podcasting for almost a year now, and it's like a startup life. And Creative Juice understands that making a creative business is messy and confusing. And they found ways to make it as easy as possible with Juice Club. It's the ultimate members-only community for creators like you and Hayden and I. Hello. Looking to level up their business. And here's all the perks that they will give you. Create a community, monthly ad sets advances, unlimited bookkeeping growth tools, and beta brand boosts too. As the creator economy continues to boom, most creators end up feeling isolated. I mean, literally, me and Jordan are in two completely different buildings and we're working together. Like, I haven't seen them in weeks. I miss you, bro. I miss you too, man. We didn't hang out more. We do a good podcast. Hey, I miss you so much. Community and resources can be the difference between a creator burnout or growth. You deserve financial tools and resources catered to your needs. So if you want to join the Juice Club, hit the link in the description and we'll see you in there. Do you like this music? It makes footage like this feel gorgeous to watch and feel. And it's easy to put in your videos with Track Club. It's a sound library that's disciplined and not bloating itself with hundreds of thousands of tracks, but it only keeps the great ones that can complement your footage to feel like this. We even use Track Club with our Pixar intro. The music's so good, it works with Pixar. I can even download the stems, throw them in a multicam, and just start with the pianos, and then slowly bring in each instrument myself. I have total control of how I want the music to play in my content. And if you want to keep it simple, you can even do it with Mixlab. If you want your content to feel as good as this, go ahead and hit the link in the description to get your free month of Track Club now. I think this is when he began to learn the concept of how you respect your audiences. I think in, in the same way when if you were to make everything that you do really, really, really simple, that tells your audiences potentially that you're kind of condescending them, you're kind of patronizing them. You don't think they're as they're smart. And we all don't like it when a parent or some authority figure tell, like talks to us as if we're a bit dumb. That's a, it's not a very nice feeling, is it? But then when an authority figure treats us like an equal, treats us like a, hey, this is an interesting concept. What do you think of this? Do you want to be engaged in this? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in. It reminds me of an improv concept called Top of Your Intelligence. 
you know about this one? No. Explain. Well, the, pro- the reason why I was asking you is I've been monologuing for five minutes and I oh, want to get you know. involved. I want you to explain it though. Okay, fine. Permission to monologue for another five minutes? Yeah, go for it. Thank you. So it's an improv concept where you have to also essentially, bottom line, respect your audiences. Don't treat them like an idiot. If you're playing an improv game where a character, it's a bit inappropriate, I apologize, but <laughs> an adult character goes into a strip club. Yep. And, and, and they go into this and they go, wait, what is this fireman's pole doing here? What do these red lights mean? Why is there money all over the floor? I don't understand where I am. It's like, you're an adult. You know what a strip club is. <laughs> that is treating the audiences like they're dumb by essentially playing a dumb character. So the rule is that every character you play has to be as smart as you. You shouldn't really play dumb so you can throw out dumb jokes, easy jokes. Whereas I think... If you could, re- could replay that same game or that same improv concept, if a five-year-old find themselves in a strip club, they would ask those questions and that makes a lot more sense. That is the top of that character's intelligence and understanding the scenario. And then the audiences can then play that game. So by respecting a character's intelligence, you're also respecting the audience's intelligence as well. Another filmmaker who like swears by this is Adam McKay. He made The Big Short and he's also made Succession. And he said, if you treat your audiences like poets and geniuses, they will become poets and geniuses. Absolutely. I think if you're an audience and you're choosing to spend your time watching a show, watching anything, like me as an audience member, I want to be learning stuff. I want to be in a world that I normally wouldn't see and normally wouldn't experience. And I want to be pulled along for the ride, like kind of not quite getting everything, but still there. If I wanted to be in the world of a doctor and I wouldn't understand all the lingo that they're using, but it's still fascinating seeing what they do every day and just trying to keep up. If you go into a show or if you watch something, you're like, yeah, I already know that. That's not fun. That's not an enjoyable experience. And so playing to the top of your emotional intelligence is actually such a hack for retention. And we've talked about this a lot, Andrew Stanton's storytelling philosophy, the two plus two method. Audiences want to work for their meal. They just don't want to know that they're doing that. So give them two plus two, which equals four. If you are giving them four all of the time and not doing that two plus two, it's like you're just handing me that information and I'm not really ingesting it. I'm not digesting it. And I think that is, I think, honestly, the best the most effective engagement tool. Don't patronize me. Don't condescend me. Don't give me the information that I don't have to work for it. Don't just let me work me like for a child. it. Just let me work for it just a little bit. Let me let me play catch up with you just a little bit and I'm in. I think it's funny that storytelling is becoming almost like a trend per se. That's yeah. hilarious to us because we've been in film school. That's like one of the first things you taught. It's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's what you're taught in film school is storytelling. And it's just funny that Jimmy's honestly doing it the other way around where it's like one of the last things that he's learning. Yeah. And because he's the one learning it and he's the trendsetter, he's the top dog on YouTube, everybody else is like, oh yeah, this storytelling thing, that's pretty cool. But yeah, there has been tons of creators that have been doing it already for a long time. But because they haven't been getting this 100 million views, they've not been looked at as an example. Exactly. So if Jimmy is now the example on how good storytelling is, it's going to encourage everyone else to follow that. And I think it's interesting that it's also happening at the same time that AI is becoming a huge hot topic. Ah, yeah. Because there's this whole term called the beastification on YouTube where creators start to emulate what Mr. Beast is doing as far as copying his thumbnails, his titles, his intros, the way his videos are edited, subtitles, the style, everything is just starting to look just like Jimmy's videos. They're even using the same font, the same Comica Axis font. I think people started copying because he 
was getting more views than any anyone had ever known. And so that felt like the only way you could get those amount of views. I think Jimmy's also talked about this a lot where he has shared his philosophies and his strategies and his ways to make the best videos possible in his perspective. And he shared them all on podcasts because he, I think he had that philosophy of rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. But the unfortunate outcome of all of that is people have just copied it more so directly rather than taking inspiration from it. It's interesting because we're talking about storytelling as a trend at large. Mm. I feel like it's the next step after a beastification wave per yes. se. Are we on a storytelling wave? We're on a storytelling wave yes. because it's it's something that is going to make your content original. And also that's why I'm connecting it to AI because AI is going to enhance mediocrity. Everything's yes. going to start looking similar. Mm -hmm. And so how do you become original in a world where everything looks like beastified or AI-ified, whatever you want to say. Another thing that Jimmy mentioned in that interview is that he's actually changing his production a lot. And that's solving a lot of the problems that they've been encountering in post. And I think it's really great that the team is having that communication and figuring some of those things out. What have you seen as far as the production on some of his recent videos that have totally helped the editing? So one of their formats was really successful. It's like $0 versus a million dollar sort of concept. And the one that he compared to was hotels versus boats. During the hotels, which is like the pilot version of that format, he talked about how the person who owns the location gave him a tour. This place is cool, this place is cool, this place is cool. Because they're professionals, they kind of behaved themselves a little bit. But what it meant is, is, is that the tour guide and the location was the content and that was the priority. It's like, I didn't really click on a Mr. Beast video to go on a tour. Yeah. I clicked on the Mr. Beast video because I want to see what Jimmy and his crew are up to. Right. And so they realized that. And so what Jimmy said is they changed how they shoot those locations now where essentially Jimmy gets his him and his crew together. They go to the location and he just says, Go. I'm gonna go downstairs. You guys go upstairs. Tell me if you find anything cool. Okay. Yo, okay. no, it is massive. It's like a whole nother boat up here. Jimmy, there's nothing cool up here. Don't worry. And they react blindly and they get really excited. Oh my God, this thing is cool. This thing is cool. This person says a joke. This person says a joke. And we are much so much more engaged in that experience because we are now experiencing it with them for the first hand without limits. I was so happy that he realized that because what has happened is that instead of the location being the content, the characters are now the content. Yeah. And a location is simply prompting them to be their characters. Right. What did, you know, Chandler learn because he went on a million dollar yacht? How has his life changed? How has Jimmy's lives changed? Because they went to all of these places and experienced all these experiences. Also, I mean, if you go on a $25 million yacht and then you go back to your house, you're going to be like, well, this is different. Like I see <laughs> yeah. this in a new light. And yeah. so just like experiencing that, even though that's the spectacle, it's more so the audience is imagining themselves in the character's shoes. Yeah. That's the memory that you get to take away after watching the video. I've enjoyed hanging out with the crew. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed the crew taking my hand. Let's go to this playground location. Literally, let's screw about. Let's have some banter. And at the end of the video, you can literally ask, how fun was this? And then me as the audience go, that was really fun. And the reason why I'm so happy Jimmy's doing that is because that was Logan's entire philosophy. On a lot of his vlogs, all he really did is he got his crew together and just pretty much put them in a field and then just said, what do we as characters, as personalities uniquely do that's entertaining, that's fun, that people want to engage in? So all Logan literally had to do at that point was find a garden chair, put it in the middle of the camera 
and just see what him and the boys do. Well, we just saw this little lone chair sitting on the side of the highway. It was all by itself. And Mike said, yo, we gotta go stop. We gotta go sit on the chair. And I said, no, we both can't go. Only one of us can go sit on this. There's only one fucking chair. And you and I, as men, as brothers, as best friends, we're gonna play musical fucking chairs on the side of the highway, Mark. Oh man, I'm having fun. Are you fucking kidding me? I got him! Yeah! Holy shit, that's Yeah, baby! And it's so entertaining because you get to see what they do as characters, as personalities, and that's what we tuned in. And so if you can master character, you can make content out of a garden chair. That's the one right there. That's the one. No, I mean, I'm serious. I think that's what I've been learning a lot, especially when we interview traditional editors. Yeah. Is they're like characters, everything. Characters character, character, first, character, 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 character. And I think that's still something that Jimmy could totally learn from. I think he still thinks that the spectacle is the content always. It is what gets you the click. It's yes. what gets you in the door. Yes. But the character is why you stay and why yes. you come back again because the editor needs to keep in mind what a character is thinking, what a character is feeling, how a character thinks about this other character at all times. The spectacle is the packaging. Every Avengers movie, what are they packaged? What was the movie Tide Storm supposed to do? It's the big explosion thing at the end. Yeah, it's that's always what end it, game. Like, yeah. That sounds scary. Yeah. <laughs> and so they package the spectrum because that's what gets us in. But what we actually do stay and enjoy is the character. The end game sequence took almost over 10 years worth of movies for us to earn and enjoy that spectacle. But imagine if Avengers Endgame and that was actually the first thing we ever saw and we never saw those 10 years worth of movies, yeah. 10 years worth of character development. That whole entire sequence at the end wouldn't have felt earned. The spectacle was a foundation, but the actual content, the actual story is the character. We've talked about this a lot, the Dan Harmon circle. It is one of the most classic screenwriting storytelling techniques today. And Dan Harmon made it famous because he simplified the hero's journey, modernized it, and he's used it in Community. He uses it in Rick and Morty. It is a series of eight beats or eight chapters, I would say. You start in one, a zone of comfort. Two, they desire something. Three, they enter an unfamiliar situation. Four, they adapt to that situation. Five, they get what they desired. Six, they pay a heavy price for winning. And then seven, a return to their familiar situation. And eight, they have overall changed. That is a very simple storytelling circle. They start in a familiar place. They go through a series of adventures. They come home to the same place, just having changed. Yep. It could just be not just like a complete total character arc, just a little bit. You've They've learned, learned one thing. You've learned a little bit about yourself. Yep. Now, we can all say that, but when it comes to actually writing it, that's a whole different ballgame. Actually using that storytelling formula and then actually getting the dialogue, the, the pieces, the arc, the characters, the, uh, the experiences, the ideas, the scenes, that is a whole different experience that requires a whole different skill to be able to achieve and to make it work. I think the most classic example, and we talked about this before, with Ryan Trahan, he followed that philosophy with his Penny series. He starts in a familiar situation. He starts off in a hammock. He goes through these trials and tribulations. This is where my deliveries are starting. That's okay. That's all right. He tries to do this, but this fails. He tries to do this and he pays 
a heavy price because he's trying to make sure that he can survive. So the money that he's raising, he has to buy food to survive. He's paying the heaviest price. He's literally doing it. But then he comes back to the hammock, having changed. He started with X amount of money. And at the end of the video, he now has this amount of money, but he's purchased this. He's purchased this bus ticket. He's lost this. And he's now going to have to try that. He's changed just a little bit. But it's not always even practical Mm. or like physical items. Lots of times it's emotionally with the Dan Harmon circle. So Mm. he could have had to talk to strangers about buying a water bottle and they might have rejected him. Selling water, $2, two bucks, (laughs) $2. (laughs) Going really well. Selling water, $2, almost out of stock. (laughs) And he's now learned like, oh, I can kind of be okay with rejection because I just did it a bunch of times. Yeah, but the the heavy price he's paid for is he's wasted half a day and he didn't make any money. Right. It's malleable as well. So there's practical uses for it. And it's also, I agree, emotional uses for it as well. And so he is using the Dan Harmon circle as a formula, but he's using it in an advanced way. I think the coolest thing about the Dan Harmon circle for me is it just emulates life. Yes. So we all wake up, we go to bed usually in the same spot. We have a home and we go out and experience the world, learn stuff. And we're like, okay, that was crazy. I now know this information. And then we start over. And I think that's the coolest thing about the Harmon Circle and about storytelling in general is it just emulates life. Yes. And I think if you can emulate life well in a genuine way, especially on YouTube, because YouTube is primarily a reality-based platform. Mm -hmm. So you're not writing YouTube videos scene by scene usually. You're usually creating situations. So Mr. Beast might be doing it in a little bit more of a controlled environment than other people, but he's throwing other people into a weird situation and they're having to experience that Dan Harmon circle, which he's starting to get now with that one to a hundred versus video. He started out the video explaining about that guy with his daughter and why he's there. And then he's paying it off later by actually bringing the daughter in. Clearly, this is making us really excited about the fact that we can have character arcs within our YouTube videos. Yes. So as far as a trend on YouTube, because Mr. Beast is starting to adopt this, what does that mean for us as a collective? as editors and creators. So you asked me that question. And what's interesting is that we have been huge proponents. We need storytelling. We need character arcs. We need this. And now you've just asked me, why do I want this? I'm like, oh, I never really thought about it. It comes down to satisfaction. We start a video, the video ends, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? I'm actually not satisfied. What actually does satisfy us is emotional experiences. We want that storytelling. We want to emotionally start here and we want to end here having emotionally changed. And that is satisfying. That stays. And having an emotional change, what does that actually do? That actually gives you a memory. It could just be for 10 minutes or it could just be, hey, I want to talk to my friend about it tomorrow. And that's what excites me. What happens when we get a good story? We feel compelled to share it because it stays with us. And I think part of us, we want to relive it again. It kind of also gives us huge rewatchability when it's a great story. I mean, I've watched Cross the Spider-Verse three times now because it's such a fantastic story. And then I get a random YouTube video that I've clicked on and I was like, it's ended. And I went, okay, that moment I hate and that moment I get 99% of the videos that I watch on YouTube. And it's actually because I'm looking and looking and looking and looking for that one video that actually gives me a really great story. And then once I find that, I'm like, yeah, that's what I like on YouTube. And the best example has been Michelle Carey's I Train Like an Olympic Boxer. And I even tweeted, this is what YouTube should be. Because at the end, I was like, that was bloody fantastic. That was an incredible story. I had an emotional journey. This 
with what I want YouTube to be. And I actually think a lot of other creators want that as well. YouTube is the best distribution platform. You get more freedom of what kind of stories are shared. You yeah. get, you know, the per the random person in India that might mm. not be able to get a show on HBO Max. You can get a peek into what life is like in India or you can get a peek into some thing that you would never have experienced. That's why I really love Luke Korn's content because he highlights stories that would have never gotten made mm -hmm. except for the freedom that we have on YouTube. If the best life lessons, the best way for people to emotionally mature, get the best emotional intelligence, get the best stories on the best, easiest distribution platform in the world, that's why I get excited about the potential on YouTube. And that's why I'm excited about if we're all going to get better at storytelling and sharing our own personal and emotional insights and telling the world about it. What a great way for us as a society to genuinely improve. Yeah. I think we do see the opposite end of that. A lot of YouTube is fueled by hate content. Here's why you should hate this person. Here's why this person's wrong. And like, let's get you all angry. And so you can, so you can the engage, drama. so you can engage in my comments. It sucks that it exists, but it's proof that an emotional reaction works. And I think it's our job as editors to take those emotional reactions and give these, uh, crazes like an arc and even the audiences an emotional arc and experience themselves. If Jimmy is not beginning to understand the impact of storytelling, if Jimmy's begin to understand that his videos become a lot more memorable and a lot more talked about if he's able to give people emotional journeys and he's still getting those hundreds to now leading up to minimum 200 million views per video now, that's going to encourage all of these other creators who will still feel compelled to copy him to try it out themselves, try to figure out how they can do it themselves. And because storytelling is a very advanced technique, they're going to end up finding their own path. They're going to yeah. find out their own creative expression rather than carbon copying the vibe of Mr. Beast. They're going to become more artistic themselves. If Mr. Beast continues this example, he is going to push us all into a new creative renaissance on YouTube.